just want to open his word and be faithful to his word and just preach what he's given us. And I uh, just, I just was seeking the Lord this week and um, I just know we need to press in more. We need more of him. We need more of him and less of this life. We need more of Jesus. If you think you have enough Jesus, you're wrong. You don't have enough. He wants to give you more. He wants to give you more of himself. He wants to open his heart to you more and more and more. As I've joked before, just tell your spouse, I've had enough of you. I've had my fill. I don't think your spouse would be very happy. He said, I'm satisfied right where we're at. I don't need any more love, your love right now. In one sense, it's complete, of course, but, but you want to love even more tomorrow. And his love is always going to be more for you tomorrow. But we want to love him back even more and even more and even more and even more. So I was just seeking him this week, and I just felt like we need to really tell yourself. You need to tell your flesh you need to tell yourself to go and seek him. You will not seek him. You know, it's, it is human nature that we will not seek him on our own. Your human nature doesn't want God. The Bible tells us that right after he made the world, that very quickly we rebelled against God. And then he brought us out of the garden where we're on the earth having children and living life as we are now. And very quickly, it says that they just decided to do whatever they wanted to do. They just started thinking in their own and started creating up this, and I think God's this, and I think God's that. And then God wiped it out. We came out of the ark, right? Noah's ark and humanity again. So it is not a new thing that humanity just thinks up what God is and thinks up what right and wrong is and just is going to do what it wants. And it is not new that you don't be surprised that your flesh inside you wants to be satisfied in whatever way it wants to be satisfied. For some of you, that is rest. I just want to, I just want to rest. I just want to rest. Some of you, it's the opposite. I just want to go, go, go. And your flesh wants what it wants. Don't be surprised at that. Don't be surprised, even as believers, that that flesh, which is dying, all right, it is dead to Christ instantly, but in this world, right, that you are still living out, technically you are already resurrected with Christ. I know our minds can't compute, that doesn't make sense, but you are already in Christ, but your body is still living out this life. What is that? How is that even possible? I don't know, except that I know that that's the word. And so in this living out, it's dead in Christ, but it's dying in this world, right? Every single time we tell our flesh, no, I want to rest, but the Lord says, go. I want to go, but the Lord says, rest. Every time we do that, your flesh is dying a little more. And in fact, next time gets a little bit easier, doesn't it? Then the battle gets greater. Gets a little bit easier in one sense, but then the battle becomes greater. The devil comes with harder hits. And so we must then get back into the Lord and grab more strength again. And so we must seek him for him. And if we will not seek him for him, just because he is who he is and his grace and his mercy and his love and his compassion and eternity and all the blessings he's given us, if we don't want him for that, at the very least, 
and this is the least, I think this is the lowest form of Christianity, would be to seek him for your own good. I really don't think that's the best for us. I think we should just seek him for him. But he has your best interest in mind. And there's an enemy who has no mercy on you. We need to be for real about this as believers. If you don't want Jesus because he's Jesus, know that without him, your devil has zero mercy. I say your devil. I said that on purpose. Because he's been, they've been assigned to try to destroy you and to kill you. And they're going to come. And they're going to keep coming. And they're going to keep coming. And they're going to keep coming. And you know what? Some of you have even said yourselves, and I've heard this said before, it feels like my life gets a lot easier when I stop seeking God. Who's ever thought that? Has anybody ever thought? Then you repent if you're a true believer. But I've seen others that didn't. They just said, you know, it's a lot easier. Actually, and, and even they'll even accuse preachers like me who preach sermons like this to tell us to dig in deeper. They'll preach as, you know, it's a fine line where it can be works and it can be flesh. It's a fine line where it can just become striving. But they'll actually accuse them of, you know, you're just making, you're making life harder for me. You're making it harder. But no, it's, it's absolutely true that what the Word shows us, that we're not making it harder for ourselves. We start doing the right thing, and the devil notices We start seeking God, he notices, and he comes immediately, the Bible says, to steal away what God has sown in your heart, what God has called from you. Who's made a commitment to the Lord, and you feel that it was challenged almost immediately? Who's ever made commitments and seen them challenged immediately? He comes immediately, and um, it's actually a compliment. I was just talking with someone. It's a compliment. If the devil's coming and attacking and saying things and doing things to your life, that's a compliment. Not that we want to stay there. We ask the Lord for his grace to get us out of that situation. But it is a compliment that, wow, I must be doing the right thing. If the devil cares to come and mess with my life, I must be on the right track. Be scared when you have no. Actually, that's what Jesus tells us, right? In my own words, he says, uh, he said to basically to them, they're going to persecute me. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised they're going to persecute you. In fact, that's a red flag. If the devil's not persecuting you, then you're probably on the wrong road. You're on his road. And we must be opposite of him. And persecution is a part of that. Mental, physical, and spiritual persecution. If it's not physical, in this country, we don't have a lot of physical persecution. We have some. It's starting to come into even this country. And you will see more of it. That's the word. You will see more physical persecution as well as believers. Just get strengthened now. Get strengthened in Christ now that your life doesn't matter anyway. Even if it takes your life, it says that in Revelation, right, that those who overcame By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they didn't love their lives unto death, even unto the death. So if it's not physical, though, he's going to come in in the mental place and in that spiritual place and just try to get you to quit, get you bogged down, get you frustrated, get you flustered, get you into you in any way he can, or just get you to have a good life without Christ. As soon as we turn and we say, Lord, 
right? Who's actually, who's made a, who's made a financial commitment to the Lord and then you get a financial hit? I mean, we've all had that happen. You say, Lord, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. You know, I trust you, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how it works, and uh, I don't know if it's 10% or you want 50% this time, but I just feel I need to give you something. I'm going to make a commitment to you in a way that I haven't before, and immediately you're challenged. I mean, if it's not that day, it's the next day. I don't know how the devil, he must own the mail system because those bills get there so fast. <laughs> I mean, how does he, it's like he bypasses the three days it takes. And now we've got to send them all the way upstate before they get back down here. But they seem to come overnight. They got special, they got extra stamps on the, you know, get those extra stamps. They get there faster. And we should be complimented. We should be encouraged, actually. Wow, Lord, okay. We're on the right track. Don't stay there, though. Don't stay there. Be encouraged that he's, okay, that must mean I'm on the right track. And that means if, if you're the right way and he's coming, I got to dig in deeper. I have to dig in a lot deeper. I want you to ter- turn with me quickly to the book of Galatians. And I just have a few things the Holy Spirit wants to share. I just want you to, I'm going to qu- really quickly paint a picture here. And uh, so we don't have three hours, but that's what it would take. And uh, sometimes I wish for that, and I know you don't, but so that I could properly paint it. But Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Everybody say, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. (laughs) That is so bold. It's so bold. I would not be Christ's servant. You need to just determine now that you are here to please one person, and that is Jesus. No one and nothing else matters. The Lord puts us together as as a church, as iron sharpening iron, He's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And all of those things are there to shape you and mold you and help you. But at the end of it all, you're not pleasing your spiritual mentor. Even that if they're pouring in truth to you, you are pleasing Jesus and Jesus alone. And that should not breed any rebellion in you. I'm not advocating rebellion, but it's Jesus that you're going to stand before at the throne, you're not going to also have your pastor and your friends and your enemies and say, well, Lord, they, they really pressured me so much. It'll be just you and him. It's going to be just you and him that you are there to please. And we want to hear, what do we want to hear from him? Well done, good and faithful servants. And that's what we're going to hear, right, church? We're going to hear that, yes, because we are going to be faithful to him till the end. So he says in verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. It's not a human gospel. Jesus is not a human thing. In the human sense, they missed him. 
right? Those that had their spiritual eyes open saw him. It is ironic that the Pharisees and Sadducees had their physical eyes opened and they thought he was a devil and thought he was working by the works of the devil. Remember they accused him? Well, you're just working by Beelzebub or whatever. And meanwhile, there's a blind beggar on the side of the road. Jesus walks by and he calls out Jesus. They could physically see, and yet they were blind. And then a man was physically blind, but could spiritually see. Jesus was not, the Bible tells us, Isaiah 53, that there was nothing in the natural that you would ever notice. He didn't have a glow around him. You know those little cute halos (laughs) that we put in pictures? I'm not opposed to that as a painting, but that wasn't on him in the natural He didn't wear a a robe that said Jesus across it. He didn't wear a name tag. In the natural, you would miss him. You had to receive Jesus by the Spirit and by revelation. It's not a natural thing. This is a spiritual thing, walking with Jesus and knowing Jesus. And sometimes I feel like a broken record preaching, but I heard a preacher the other day I was listening to someone I like listening to, and he says, sometimes I feel like a broken record. And I was like, I'm not the only one. That encouraged me so much because he felt like his message, no matter where he goes, it's always the same message over and over and over again. But you know what I find? That's the word of God. All the prophets did the same exact thing. You go through their book and it's like, haven't I, wait, am I in chapter 34 or is this this Jeremiah 13? Because they sound exactly the same. There's some differences a little bit with the timing and and what was happening in history. But for the most part, Jesus has been telling us the same thing since he made Adam and Eve, which is don't touch that tree, live by that tree. It's the same exact message that it is today, which is if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you want Satan's tree that he's offering you, then you're going to suffer the consequences. But if you will eat from the tree of life that I'm offering you, you will have life and life eternal. It's the same message. So sometimes I feel like that, but, but this is the word, that it's a spirit-received thing, and it's not a human. Everybody say, it's not mere human reasoning. It says, verse 12, I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me, Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? And you know what Peter said? Peter said, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, you didn't get that on your own. You didn't figure that out because you're smart, Peter, because you're not, because no one is. But you let the revelation that is trying to penetrate, it's trying to penetrate into you today. God has more revelation for you right now. And you know, it's not, it's not, it's not revelation of what numbers to go play in the lotto. All right, he's trying to get a revelation into you today. I love you. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. It seems bleak right now, but don't worry, tomorrow's a new day. And that is always, he's always doing that. He's always trying to reveal himself. And to ever were willing 
to call out to him, receive from him. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love. He goes on in Galatians 2, and you, I encourage you to read the whole book because it's going to say it better, but just for time. Uh, Galatians 2, verse 20, he says, I've, I, I'm not, it's not me, it's, I'm not here to please humans. It's a revelation that I've had. Jesus Christ has done something in my spirit. I had the natural stuff. I got rid of all that. It's a spirit thing, and I need to be a spirit man. And Galatians 2, verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I had a revelation, and now I died with Christ it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives right now, present tense, in you. I live in this room right now, in this physical body, by trusting in the Son of God. I learned to live not trusting myself I learn to live by trusting Jesus who's in me. I trusted myself for a while, and you know what it did? It ended up making me persecute the followers of Jesus, and I ended up killing them, and I'm sorry that Stephen died because of me. But now I don't trust my human reasoning. Now I trust Jesus within me, and I threw my human reasoning out. Amen. Isn't that amazing? And that's the same message to us. He's not just telling you his life story. If Galatians is not a history book, it's not a history book to tell you about Paul. Paul is telling you about you. That's why it's the living word. It's the living word. It's alive and it's here today because he is here today. So Galatians 3, verse 3. So how foolish can you be? Everybody say, how foolish can we be sometimes? After starting our new lives in the Spirit, why are we now trying to become perfect by our own human effort? So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And it says that, in verse, this is in verse 14, that was verse 9, sorry, that it's through, through Abraham, and then verse 14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. And a lot of people just stop there and say, see, Abraham was very blessed, we're going to be blessed. Well, hold on, let's read what the blessing was. It says, so that we who are believers might receive the promised, what's it say? What is the promise? The Holy Spirit through faith. So yes, we do receive the promise of Abraham, but do you realize Abraham had a life? <laughs> Abraham had a life. And you know what God told him to do with his life? What did he tell him? I, I went through and I picked out all the scriptures from, from Genesis 12, 15, 16, and 17, I'm going to maybe look at some of those, but again, for time, what did he do? He said, just quickly, you don't even have to turn there. He said, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, 
and go to the land I will show you and I'll make you a great nation. Gives him some more blessings as well and specifically that I'm going to bless your seed as well. He had a life. And it says that he left with Sarah, with Lot, with all his servants that he gained in the area that he was living in, Haran, that he was living in at the time, he left. He was already blessed in the natural. You know, when he goes and rescues Lot, was it 300-something men? Dan would remember. 318 remembers the exact number. I was just going to assume. I was close. Where do those 318 men come from? I mean, sure, some of them may have come from Egypt when he goes there, and some may have been in Canaan. He was already naturally very blessed. He already naturally had, he didn't just go and find sheep in the hills. He took, he left his old nature. He left his, the gods, specifically, that's what he was leaving, of his father. He left the God that was a little G demon God of his father and went and found God. So the promise and the blessing was never stuff, but it was God's presence. It was God's presence that he promised us. And what we have to realize is that God's presence is through the Holy Spirit. New Testament, the promise is through the Holy Spirit. God's presence is still here on the earth, and he wants to be with you in a relationship. Sometimes as Christians, we say we have a relationship. We're not in religion. We have a relationship. And I wonder about that relationship sometimes. Is the rela- Imagine my relationship with Dawn was five minutes to 30 minutes in the morning before I went to work. And... I'll seek you a little bit extra time on Saturday. I'll see you on Saturday because I have a little bit extra time. And if the Sunday works, if there's no like family obligations and I don't have sports to watch and things like that, and the lawn's not too high, then I'll come, I'll see you for about two hours, but don't go too long on Sunday. But then I gotta, but then I gotta get right to lunch, I'm hungry. And I'll see you again on Monday morning for about 15 minutes to maybe 30 minutes on a good day. Unless I slept in because I was tired because I stayed up watching TV Sunday night. Then I may just pray on the car ride to work, but that's just as good because I love you. Sometimes it's good to make things blunt. He gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit which is always, I mean, all day, every day. Come on, what's the word say? Pray without ceasing. You realize what that means? It doesn't mean you need to be at work praying out loud. I mean, you may. I can do that because a lot of times people aren't around. I just pray aloud. Someone walks up and realizes I was praying. They hear my Christian music playing and they come up and I'm just praying or singing to it. But it's, a, it's a, like an internal thing. You are always, always seeking him. Do you know your mind is always going anyway? So why not have it going towards him? Has, your, has anybody's mind in here stopped during the day? 
You ever just like, it just stops, just stops, silent. You know, instead of like making fun of the people around you, seriously, why is, it, why is everybody laughing in here? You know, people watching, instead of looking like this, at their outfits. Yelling at people in traffic. Worried about this. Worried about that. Struggling with this. Struggling with that. It's Holy Spirit. Forgive me. I want to know you. I want to seek you more. And, and you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't need big prayers. He doesn't need tons and tons and tons of words. Sometimes I just tell him all day, I want to know you more. I just, I'm, you know, when you fall in love, I use love a lot because it makes sense because he's our greatest love. So I use spouses and love a lot. So, but, you know, I don't need to say anything to Dawn for her to know she loves me when it's real, right? I can just look at her and she knows that that's love. Sometimes. But with Jesus, it's the same thing, the Holy Spirit. It's just a decision of what you're focused on, what you're thinking about, where your homeland is, okay? It's not, you know, what you want. What is it about? He continues in Galatians. He says, how foolish, right? How foolish, because he says in verse 14 that we're supposed to be living by the Holy Spirit, but why are you trying to do it, verse 3, right, in human effort when it's a spirit thing? Verse 22, the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So we know that this Holy Spirit promise did not come through human effort originally because it came through Jesus Christ. So now, anything else in your life except through that, which was through Jesus' blood, through the Holy Spirit, is pointless. It is literally the, a waste of your time. Sometimes I, I like being mindless, though. I just sometimes, I need, you know, you play a game on your phone. The Lord is not offended at us when we do that. I like to go out and be in the woods. Whatever you like to do. You just can't be mindless all the time. Sometimes I just need to not, I, I just need to even just be away from his word for a little while. I'm not away from, I'm not ever away from him. Even when I'm mindless, my mind's still on him. But sometimes we want to just be, we just want to be mindless and just kind of just relax and rest. And, and that is Perfectly fine. Do not be condemned by that. But we must realize that real peace, real freedom, the, the real mindlessness, the thing that you're really looking for in that mindless place is actually in Jesus. You're trying to escape. You want to be mindless because you want to escape, but really it's because you've got so much other stuff. So many other distractions, so many other things. Just they've taken us too much. 
And it's actually a spiritual condition that's happening in you that wants to retreat. We just kind of be mindless. But where that mind is when it goes into that mindless place, if it's for a whole day, right? If it's an hour, again, I don't know the time. It's going to come down to you and the Lord. There's going to be a point where the Lord says, okay, now put the phone down. In your mindlessness, I, I know you want to retreat. Come seek me, right? And we've all felt those tugs. Anybody in here felt those tugs like I do? Maybe I'm the only one. I think we all feel them. He says, okay. And in the same way, we have to put down everything else. We just got to leave it all behind. Every single thing, every single distraction, but they're internal. They're not just external. We have to realize this is a spiritual thing. There's a, the human effort. You're trying to work it out in here. Before you ever do anything in the natural, whoever just does everything in your life flippantly. Every, does anybody in here just do everything you do is flippant? You have no control of what you're doing? So that means that you have calculated, that you've contemplated, you have figured out what you're going to do today. You have thought about it. And maybe, sure, someone comes up to you and says, hey, let's go to lunch. You weren't planning on going to lunch, and now you are. Those moments are going to happen, but you never live your entire life like that. You would never make any money or meet a spouse or retire successfully. So there's some planning and contemplating. Your mind is always, always working. So before you've ever done any action, the proof is, my point is that, there's, that you are figuring it all out in here. But we're not meant to figure it out. I know it sounds so counter wisdom, but we have to realize that wisdom is not of this world. You know, it says in Proverbs 3, talking about wisdom and understanding, in verse 19, it says that he made the earth through wisdom and he made the heavens through understanding. What does that even mean? Do you think that God had to figure this out? I, like, I love when pe people, anti-creationists say, there's no way God could have done that in seven days. And my mind, I think differently. I guess I'm less... I'm analytical on the side, but I'm also very free to like not need to know. I don't need to understand. I don't think God needed seven seconds. I think he only did it in seven days so that our week would make sense. I mean, he, it, I don't even know if, that, if that's even it. I don't think he even needed seven microseconds. God's wisdom is not, he's not even, he just is. It says that he spoke and it was. His wisdom and understanding is not sitting down and like plotting and figuring it all out. He doesn't need to. He's God. We need to figure stuff out in our humanity. God doesn't. God just knows. So God's wisdom, so it sounds anti-wisdom to not worry even about tomorrow. Don't even plan what you're going to do next year. If we truly want to live by the word. Now, is he opposed to your 401k? Of course not. But your heart can't be in that. Right? How many people come home? And, and there, there's a lot. Of, I know people that do this. They actually come home and they log in and they check it. Some, some people do it on a daily basis. Has it gone up or down? As if that's God. God, I mean, listen, you worked for it. Don't 
I'm not telling you give it away unless the Lord tells you to. Use that. But that's not it. This life is not it. It's not natural wisdom. You are never, ever, ever going to figure this life out. And we can't, ready? I'm going to go take it to a whole other level now. We say that's the world, right? Then we come in here and we're like, well, we got church figured out. No, we don't. If it's spiritual wisdom that we need to navigate the darkness of this world, then I would say we need double that to navigate the seriousness of people's souls. So to try to think, we got to figure it out. We know we're doing this, what we do. I mean, if we did the music after the preaching, people would freak out and be like, what is going on? I'm 15 minutes late for preaching now instead of the worship. Whoops, did I say that out loud? (laughs) It's not a human thing. This is a spiritual thing. And we have to let the Holy Spirit lead us. I mean, it's, I, again, I feel like a broken record saying that. It sounds like, okay, yeah, 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 we know that. No, we don't. We don't know that because we're still trying to figure it all out. We're trying to do it all. We're trying to accomplish it, trying to get through it. And if it's not in the nat- it's in your mind. You're just thinking, 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 until we go to sleep. Try to figure it all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this, and I'm going to do that. But Jesus, you're going to be with me, and you're going to help me. And Jesus is like, what? I don't have any of that plan for your life. So everybody today is focused on what are you good at. When I read my Bible, it's only a few times that God actually uses people for what they're good at. Most of the time, he develops it in the fire. I mean, they never knew right? Moses, I'm not, there's, Moses says, I'm not going to speak. I stutter. I can't speak. And the, if you think you're a leader, Joseph thought he was going to be a leader. So the Lord's like, oh, okay, let's go crush that pride first. And then you will be a leader. But when you don't think you're ever going to be a leader ever again, it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. And Paul, he he had come to this place that we must come to here in Galatians, that he had come to a death of himself. And he tells us it's foolishness to try to work it out in the humanity. What they were trying to do is they were trying to get back to trying to bring law back in. So they received this spiritual thing. And then Paul's like shedding off law. And they're trying to do, you know, well, you have to be circumcised. You have to do this. You have to do that. And you got to do all these things when he was like, no, it's a spiritual thing that has happened. It's a spiritual thing. It is not a human thing. It's not a natural thing. It's only through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit on this earth. So verse 26, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all, verse 27, who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new Close. And now, verse 29, that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. Abraham left. Abraham leaves. What's he do? He's faithful. He says, okay, God, I'll leave. God meets him. He meets him out there, and he says, okay, 
you're here, you did it, you left behind your old life, your old life. I'm going to do some things through you. I'm going to bring a seed through you. I'm going to bring a son through you. What happens? What, what, what's the story? Everybody know the story. What happens? Some time goes on. And Abraham and Sarah, they say, well, let's help God accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Right? What happens? That's where Ishmael's come from. Come on, we've all had them. I have all the text here, but we're, we're, I'm ticking here on time, so. Ishmael's come from you trying to do it in your human strength, and that's what it tells us here in Galatians. It goes on in Galatians chapter 4. It says, verse 9, it says, just talking about the religion, now you're known by God, but you want to turn back again. You want to try to get, try to go back and try to do it in some sort of like systematic, it's not a systematic thing. This is like a every moment. This is not, you come to me, uh, verse 10, on certain days and months and seasons, and, and that's fine. You know, we can celebrate Christmas as Christians and not go to hell, and it's not heresy, but that's not the only day that we come to church, right? Or Easter, we just had Easter. And that's what he's talking about here. It's not a systematic thing. It's not a religious thing. This is an internal thing. And in verse 11, he says, I'm, I'm afraid for you. He says in, in verse 11, he says, I fear for you. I'm afraid for you. He says, perhaps all my hard work with you is for nothing. And he says, I plead with you, verse 12, to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I've become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. And it's basically just to convert that to today, 2019, because it was a little bit different culture, but just freed from religion. He's not freed from the law of murder. It wasn't moral law that he was free from. It was the laws that bound him and how to seek God and how to know him. You couldn't just talk to God. You had to prepare your sacrifice. You had to come to the, come to the priest, and then they'd take the blood, cover that, and then try to maybe get a message into the Holy of Holies. That's if the priest was even worthy enough to get in there and take it and come back with an answer for you from God. And Jesus, what did he do? Jesus tore the veil, crushed it, broke it in half, cracked in half. That's all open to us for us to come in and have relationship with him. But what was happening is, is now Jesus made a way for every day, every moment, relationship through the Holy Spirit. And they said, no, 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 we want the old system back because that was much more convenient. I don't want the Lord to listen to me all the time. I don't want to be responsible for every moment. I'd rather just come once a week to Jesus. It was a lot easier. The old way, I could just come the appointed times and point, appointed days and, and uh, just give my sacrifice. I could give, just keep it eat. It was a lot easier. And so they thought, this doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. This, we, it seems that we're just, we're too free, but also this freedom's requiring too much. I'd rather a little bit of boundary, let's go back into a little bit of bond, bondage to the religion and to law. And, and, but, and the trade-off is okay because I don't really care about the relationship anyway. That's really what you're getting down to when you get to religion. It's not the thing because there are many 
even we have Catholicism and we have um, where we got really old, where we have Messianic Jews, where they do religious things, but they absolutely love Jesus. It's not the religion itself. It's not the, the acts themselves. It's the heart. All right, a Messianic Jew is going to do many of these things, observing these things and going through these motions, and his heart is still being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's where the Lord's trying to get us to. We can easily, 2019, we can come to church just like they were doing. That's the system. That's what we do. We go to church. We do our little devotionals, which is, if your heart is in it, don't get condemned. But if you're doing it, and you know inside, I can't tell you, and that's why I'm not pointing the finger at anyone, if your devotional is real or if it's religion. Only you will know that. But you will know. <laughs> Let me just say that. You know if it's religion. You know, if you've been, even we can go through seasons where we just go through the motions for a little while. And I'm not, a, I, so I'm not, I feel like that's actually the better way. Better to go through the motions for a little while than get your heart right than actually completely leave. I'd rather you in that. But the point is that he, he sums it up by saying this. He says, tell me, Verse 21, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife, one from his freeborn wife, right? In 23, it says one was born in a human attempt, verse 23, to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise, but the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Anything you do in your human strength, you know what ends up happening? And we don't have time. What happens to Ishmael? Time to go. When you finally do get it right with the Lord, which you might as well do now, not 13 years later. It's just the story. But if you apply that to your life, don't wait 13 years to get rid of what ends up it's not going to be anything. It's not your, it's not the air that God, it's not, you're just burning rubber, wasting time. And we don't want to do that, do we? We want it to be Isaac. We want it to be him. We want it to be what the Lord has called. And, you know, the toughest part of that whole story was waiting on the Lord, which we don't do. We just want to run instantly, but is so much more to this that we can get more into, but that we must just let the Holy Spirit do a work inside of us. And uh, that may look like nothing outside on the natural. May not look like, I mean, you're, you're loving, you're kind, but you may not look like you're Billy Graham. <laughs> but you're letting the Holy Spirit do something internally before you do anything externally. And Paul has that story too. We just don't have the time. But if you know Paul's history, he let the internal work, even though he had the human knowledge, he still did a spiritual internal work before he did a spiritual external work. So don't try to bypass that. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I pray that you would put this word down deep in our hearts as a good seed, Lord, in good soil. And I pray that it would sprout to life and bring forth fruit in our lives and for others to pick from, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you're so faithful. 
And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will never, ever, ever, ever abandon us. And you haven't done yet. And you, <laughs> Lord, you will not. So we just thank you, Lord. And we praise you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, for this church. Let's pray for your blessing upon this people, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that wherever they're at right now, thank you, Jesus, that your love and your grace penetrates their hearts and shows them, Lord, that only you can do, Lord. Even our words, we, we bring the words, Lord, but the Spirit has to go through them, Lord, and get into their heart and show them that you love them, that you have called them, that you have a plan and a purpose for them. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're still alive. You are alive here today, and you're going to do it in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.